You're listening to Comedy Central. Well, hello. What's going on, everybody? I'm Trevor Noah, and this is The Daily Social Distancing Show. Before we get started, I'm happy to announce that I've completed yet another New Year's resolution. Yes, my friends, I finally managed to stop eating frog eggs. No, wait, that was Baby Yoda's resolution. Oh, <gasps> that means he's got mine. Anyway, on tonight's show, the stock market is going crazy, Republicans are going nuts, and coronavirus is going out of control. Plus, inauguration poet Amanda Gorman is joining us to chat about her future. So let's do this, people. Welcome to The Daily Social Distancing Show. From Trevor's couch in New York City to your couch somewhere in the world, this is The Daily Social Distancing Show with Trevor Noah. Ears edition. Let's kick things off with the stock markets, America's number one supplier of Great Depressions. As volatile as the stock market can be, this has been one of its wildest weeks yet. Craziest business story out there. An internet trading mob is driving GameStop shares higher. It appears to spite short sellers. Look at the stock. It's up more than 680% so far this year. They realized that all of the institutional investors were hedging on GameStop, so they just bought a bunch of call options, bought a bunch of stock, and created the gamma squeeze that you saw on Friday. Okay, okay. Uh, I don't know about you, but that explanation is way too complicated. Short selling, the thing of the long sell, and then the... Look... What we really need here is that scene from The Big Short where Margot Robbie breaks it down for us in the bathtub, you know? And uh, <laughs> I actually called her to do that, but she blocked my number. So uh, I had to figure out plan B. Basically, there's a group of people on Reddit who don't use the stock market to invest. They use it to gamble. And yeah, that's what a lot of serious investors do too. But these guys on Reddit are more honest about it and they love to troll the people who aren't. So there's a store called GameStop that sells video games. Not a great business to be in since games can be downloaded now, which is why the serious investors decided to short GameStop, which means to bet against it. But the Redditors are gamers who have a semi-ironic love for the store. So they started making memes encouraging each other to punish the serious people by buying worthless GameStop stocks. Now, instead of failing, GameStop is succeeding wildly. Not really, of course, not as a business. But come on, stocks are never real. The serious people have already lost $5 billion and some giant hedge funds have gone bankrupt. Got it? Good. Now, let's get out Margot Robbie's bathroom before she gets home and ask me what I'm doing here. The last time she caught me here was a bit awkward. Okay, now that we're on the same page, yo, this shit is wild! And I know some people are freaking out about this. People are like, this isn't how Wall Street is supposed to work. What's gonna happen to these poor hedge funds? Let me tell you something. Wall Street is gonna be fine, right? There are millions of people who are out of work and thousands of businesses closing, and yet the stock market is at an all-time high. I'm not worried about hedge fund guys. They can cry about this on their helicopter that takes them to their boat, that takes them to their yacht. In fact, if anything, I think it's actually funny to see how Wall Street doesn't like it when somebody Wall Streets them. Yeah, because when they make moves that cost people their homes, people in Wall Street are like, hey man, those are the rules. But when it happens to them, they're like, those aren't the rules. Is someone gonna regulate this? And these Reddit investors are already moving beyond GameStop. Now, 
They're pumping up the stock prices of other failing companies like Bed Bath & Beyond, AMC movie theaters, and even Tootsie Rolls. Which, by the way, I didn't even know that Tootsie Roll had its own stock. Who was that for? So, it's a candy that looks and tastes like a turd, but it also sticks to your teeth. You interested in investing? Now, if you think about it, the only reason that these Redditors have been able to pull this off is because of the internet. Yeah, think about it. Like, Reddit and all these social media, they make it possible to get together with people who think like you. This wasn't possible decades ago. Like, now, if you want to take down a hedge fund, you can find people to help you do it. If you want to plan an insurrection, you can find people to help you do it. Hell, if you think you're the only person in the world who's attracted to that part of the stapler that looks like a face, well, I'll see you at hotstaplerfaces.com, my friend. Mm, mm, mm. But let's move on to something that isn't surging. Humans. It's a trend that sometimes happens after blizzards, long power outages, or whenever couples might have some time to kill and not much to do. Many people joke that COVID stay-at-home orders would lead to a new nationwide baby boom. We talked about that. But some researchers predict we might just see the opposite. It's looking like that baby boom is actually a baby bust. The Brookings Institution estimates this year could see a dip from 2019, approaching 300,000 fewer births. The U.S. birth rate will decline an estimated 7 to 10 percent this next year. That's on top of an already 35-year low. Wow. So apparently these last 10 months have been all Netflix and no chill. And honestly, I'm not surprised. Who's f***ing to Tiger King? Because, I mean, there's certain things that you can watch and be like, yeah, we're gonna get it on. But, like, when you're sitting next to someone, you're like, goddamn Carol Baskin! You're not making babies to that. But, yes, apparently, nobody has been making babies while they're in lockdown. And, I mean, when you think about it, it makes sense. You know, when you're spending 24 hours a day with someone for months, the last thing you want to do is make another one of them to hang out with. Not to mention, I've been so scared of getting COVID, I don't even see my own family. So I'm definitely not gonna let a stork hand deliver me a baby. No, thank you. What do you mean that's not where they come from? So where do they... Sex. So you have sex with a stork? Plus, I agree with these people. They're right about the economy. I don't need a baby. I already have enough mouths to feed. I got my mouth and the other mouth that's on the side of my neck. Did you say something, Trevor? Go back to sleep, Cornelius. But you know, this story actually gives me a great idea. If there's fewer babies, that means there's gonna be fewer kids. So that means fewer daycares, which means daycares will lose business, so Wall Street will bet against daycares, which means I'm buying a daycare. Let's do this, Reddit. Oh, I lost everything. Why isn't this regulated? (laughs) And finally, let's do something your dad always wanted to do on vacation and check in on the Baseball Hall of Fame. It's where the game celebrates its greatest players. But this year, the celebration is gonna be a tiny bit smaller. All the former baseball players who were eligible for induction into the Baseball Hall of Fame this year struck out. No player was named on the required 75% of ballots from the Baseball Writers Association of America. Seven-time Cy Young winner Roger Clemens failed to get enough votes in his ninth year on the ballot. Clemens was suspected of having used performance-enhancing drugs during his career. He denies that. And baseball's all-time home run leader Barry Bonds also failed in his ninth try. He was also believed to have taken performance-enhancing drugs 
Pitcher Kurt Schilling, who won three World Series titles, fell 16 votes short. Since retiring, Schilling has faced criticism for posting social media comments critical of Muslims, transgender people, and journalists. Tisk tisk. Social media is bad news, guys. Because I can guarantee you there's a lot of bigots in the Baseball Hall of Fame. They just didn't have social media to tell you about it. You think Ty Cobb was woke? I mean, just as a rule, any baseball player whose card was a painting probably hated somebody. I respect that the Baseball Hall of Fame wants to maintain their integrity, but it is kind of funny that the Hall of Fame has higher standards than the US government. Because some baseball players like, I don't want to share a bathroom with this person. And the Hall of Fame is like, hey, get out of here. and Go make some laws or something. All right, let's move on to our main story the coronavirus. You know, it's the reason you're eating a Caesar salad on the sidewalk in 30 degree weather. The entire world is struggling with this pandemic, but some countries are handling it better than others. So let's catch up on the latest Corona news around the world in another episode of Keeping Up With Corona. First things first, just because we have a vaccine for the coronavirus doesn't mean it's going away immediately. In fact, right now, it's only getting worse. The urgency of the vaccine effort is even more critical this evening, a race against time as those new and more contagious strains of the virus spread. COVID-19 has been mutating throughout this pandemic. And in recent months, you've had these disturbing variants emerging uh, that have been discovered in the UK, here in South Africa, in Brazil. Epidemiologists warn with the new variants, even brief interactions, like an outdoor chat without a mask or having a cup of coffee indoors can increase your transmission by up to 70%. Authorities still don't know why the new variants are so contagious. So as an extra layer of protection, they recommend wearing two masks. Whew, coronavirus is one hell of a competitor, man. It's like Michael Jordan, you know? It heard we made a vaccine and corona was like, and I took that personally. Because so far, there's three major variants out there and new ones are popping up all the time. Like pretty soon, we're gonna need a sommelier to tell them apart. Ah, yes, here we have a 2021 from the foothills of Wales, very strong. If you, if you give that a smell, you'll notice that you can't smell. But because these variants are so much more infectious, authorities are now suggesting that everybody wear two masks, which I think is a great idea, especially for America. Because when experts said wear a mask, half the country was like, hell no, that's my freedom. So if you tell them to wear two masks, then people are like, screw you, I'm only wearing one mask, libtard, ha <laughs> ha. And it turns out these new variants are hitting particularly hard right now because a year of restrictions has gotten people tired of that lockdown life. The new COVID lockdown in the Netherlands has sparked violent protests that continue tonight. Protesters have fought with police in several Dutch cities, setting fires to buildings. Hundreds of arrests have been made since the protests started over the weekend. The lockdown includes a 9 p.m. curfew. That's the first in the Netherlands since World War II. All right, guys, this right here is a bad sign. How are we gonna keep the lockdowns going in the rest of the world when the country that invented legal weed is losing its shit? I mean, the Netherlands are supposed to be one of the chill countries. Think about it. How often do you hear, careful, careful, you don't wanna mess with that dude. He's Dutch. The Dutch are super nice. They're so nice they named paying for things together after them. You wanna be an asshole or you wanna go Dutch? But yeah, of course people hate lockdowns. I mean, even just the name, lockdown. 
Sounds like something you should get mad about. What they really need to do is rebrand lockdowns, you know? Make it more appealing. Like call it a nationwide slumber party or extended cozy time or the pretend you're an indoor cat challenge. <laughs> of course, lockdowns are always a temporary fix. The real solution is gonna be getting everybody vaccinated. And one country is showing everyone else how it's done. The world's biggest success story right now, Israel. Israel is a relatively small country, but it has administered far more first doses. Israel continues to lead the world in vaccinations using the American-made Pfizer or Moderna vaccines. While in most countries around the world, you have to be part of a priority group to be vaccinated, Israeli clinics have been giving out any remaining doses to the general public after the day's scheduled appointments end for priority patients. Everything is done through our phones. We all get notification where we can uh, receive the vaccination, uh, and it worked very, very well. Wow. Well done to Israel on leading the world in vaccinations. And you know, it makes sense that they're doing this through people's phones. I mean, there's already an app where you can catch diseases, so why not have one that cures them too? What I don't understand is, why can't America have that app too, huh? Israel doesn't even have to change it. I'll learn Hebrew, everything's closed. I've got nothing else to do. Now, as important as everyone getting vaccinated is, there's one thing that's even more important, making sure that your vaccine actually works. Chinese company Sinovac <laughs> says it has confidence in its vaccine. That has just been picked up by Indonesia, Brazil, and Turkey, but there has been skepticism over the veracity of its data. Questions are beginning to arise because Indonesia also conducting its own trials, releasing numbers that put its efficacy at about 70%. Brazil's findings for this very same vaccination dropped efficacy down to 50%. Yes. Much like an airplane touchscreen, China's vaccine only works about 50% of the time. No, Lion King. Lion King, Lion King, play Lion King. Play Lion King, play Lion King. Oh, I guess I'm watching Cats. And I gotta say, guys, I really feel bad for these countries. How could they have guessed that China would make a cheap knockoff of the vaccine? I mean, what is a person supposed to do with a vaccine that's only 50% as effective as the others? Start standing three feet away from other people? Go have half a meal in a restaurant? Only hug one of your grandmas? Now, just because China is struggling to manufacture vaccines doesn't mean that they've stopped moving forward with technology, especially when it comes to testing for coronavirus. China has begun carrying out anal swabs for COVID in a controversial move that has received some pushback. A hospital in Beijing carried out the swabs when testing staff at a school, while authorities in some hotspot areas may introduce the measure for people arriving from abroad. They've been doing uh, blood serum tests to determine whether or not people have COVID antibodies. And in some places, including a Beijing hospital, they carried out anal swabs with the idea being that the, the presence of the virus in excrement is uh, longer to detect than if you do, say, a mouth swab. You know what? There's a point at which I would rather just have the coronavirus. Although I can't say I'm surprised to hear this. I mean, scientifically speaking, the anus is the nostril of the butt. And the plus side is, with testing like this, you might not even need a vaccine. You just tell people, hey, we're not having lockdowns, but every time you leave your apartment, some stranger's gonna shove a Q-tip up your butt. We'll be done with coronavirus in like two weeks. All right, when we come back, we'll figure out how Biden and the Republicans can come together. And Amanda Gorman, 
the superstar poet from the inauguration is joining us on the show. So don't go away. Welcome back to the Daily Social Distancing Show. Let's talk about America's new president, Joseph Rafiki Biden. There's no doubt that he's got a tough job ahead of him, but in his inauguration speech last week, Biden made clear what his top priority is. To overcome these challenges, to restore the soul and secure the future of America, requires so much more than words. It requires the most elusive of all things in a democracy. Unity. 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 Unity? Unity. But look, I get it. America has been divided over the last four years. Technically, 12 if you include Obama's years. Actually, it was pretty divided under Bush. And Clinton. Oof, yeah, that was bad. Oh, you also had the 60s and the Civil War. I mean, the Civil War. Oh, man. You know what also wasn't great? The whole thing with the pilgrims and the Indians either. All right, so America's been divided for like 2,000 years now. The point is unity. So I can see why unity would be very appealing for people right now. But for unity to work, you have to agree on what unity is. And in Washington right now, they're not even united on that. U.S. Senator John Corner from Texas, his response to the inclusion of transgender people in the military was to tweet, Another unifying move by the new administration, question mark? Democrats claim to want to unify the country, but impeaching a former president, a private citizen, is the antithesis of unity. Joe Biden, you talk about unifying the country. Pursuing impeachment after he leaves the office will further divide the country. It's hard to unify when you're impeaching a president who's already left office. Joe Biden vowed that his top priority was, quote, unity. Does anyone at this point still believe him? Anybody? Raise your hand at home. Raise your hand at home? Dude, only one of your viewers is dumb enough to think that you can see him through the TV. Because this is ridiculous, right? Apparently, Republicans think that unity means the Democrats have to act like Republicans? That's not what unity is. Unity does not mean agreement. It doesn't mean doing whatever the other side wants. Unity means the state of being united. And united means unified. And unified means to be in for the same thing. And thing, same thing means, I'll tell you this much. Unity doesn't mean you just do what the losers want, all right? It definitely doesn't mean that you can't hold Trump accountable for what he did. That wouldn't fly in court. You are accused of manslaughter. How do you plead? I plead unity, your honor. Man, get your ass to jail. And it's one thing to try to find unity with people who disagree with you on policies, but how do you find unity with people who don't even recognize your legitimacy? A clear majority of House Republicans who are now uh, kind of braying about unity voted to overturn the election uh, and, in effect, make Trump president for four more years over the will of the voters. This election was not stolen. Do you accept that fact? Well, what I would say is that the debate over whether or not there was fraud should occur. We never had any presentation in court where we actually looked at the evidence. Republican Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene, a QAnon supporter, she has repeatedly indicated support 
for executing prominent Democratic politicians. 2019, she liked to comment that said, quote, a bullet to the head would be quicker to remove House Speaker Nancy Pelosi. In 2018, she said, quote, the stage is being set after someone asked whether they could hang President Obama and Hillary Clinton. Holy shit. This Marjorie Taylor Green lady wanted to shoot Pelosi and hang Obama and Hillary? This woman is something else. It's like a, a normal Karen fell into a vat of chemicals and then became a Batman villain. I mean, how can you achieve unity with someone who's literally wanting you dead? There's a reason why planet Earth never ends with a bill being signed. And suddenly the cheetah lunges at the young gazelle, eager to reach a bipartisan agreement. Seriously, people, forget the country for a minute, right? That's their coworker. Imagine going into work every day knowing one of your coworkers wants to kill you. A coworker stole my yogurt one time and I still hold it against him. I was hungry for 20 minutes that day, Kevin. You're a monster. Look, considering where the Republican party is right now, I don't know if the two sides can really come together, but it would be fun watching them try to talk their issues out. Today, we're here to work on unity. Now, this is a safe space to share your feelings and, and hopefully find some common ground. Democrats, let's start with you. What does unity mean to you? We want unity. You know, it's about coming together and you know, respecting each other. Wrong. And finding Wrong. Ah, Republicans, you had a, a very strong reaction to that. What does unity mean to you? Unity is bringing everyone in the country together to do exactly what we want all the time. And if you have a problem with that, we'll storm your office. That's what unity is. Mm, very good sharing. I love how honest you're being. Yep. Democrats, is that something you think you might be open to? No. He just said he wants to storm my office. Or put you in prison. What? Ah, options. Very good. Very good. You know what? I feel we should have a bigger say. We won the election. You stole the election. Now, remember, compromise, okay? So how about Democrats won the election by stealing it? Yeah, that's fair. No, it's not. Look, we just want the Republicans to come to the table in good faith and find areas we can agree on so we can pass meaningful laws. Okay, let's explore this. Republicans, when Democrats just said that, what is it that you hear? Uh, I heard that they want mandatory Sharia socialism and to put RuPaul in the $50 bill. That's what she said. That's not what I said at all. Although I am open to the RuPaul thing, kind of jazz up the money, but listen. If they really wanted unity, how do they explain the Capitol riots? Well, that could have been a real moment for unity, but there wasn't a single Democrat in that mob because they're all talk with no insurrection. See, 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 this is what he does. It's always my fault. Well, it is always my your fault. fault. It's your fault every you single time. Wait, why you're always making it your fault. Okay, you you're walking around it? like it's not my fault. It's stop. not my fault. Well, you can stop. Is, you can stop both of you stop especially the Democrats. Look, we're almost out of time. So what I'd like to do is just take a step back and look at all the progress we've made. Excuse me? Progress? Uh, there has been no progress. See, you finally agreed on something. You're both united behind the fact that you can never unite. Unity achieved. <laughs> Republicans, you're cured. Democrats, let's pick this up again next week. We have a lot to work through. Cool, because I got to run. I'm parked in a handicapped spot, so thanks. Of course you did. Mm -hmm. uh, of course you did.
All right, when we come back, the star poet from the inauguration, Amanda Gorman, is joining us on the show, so don't go away. Welcome back to The Daily Social Distancing Show. So earlier today, I spoke with poet, activist, and author, Amanda Gorman. We talked about what it was like being the youngest inaugural poet in history and what lies in store. If we're to live up to our own time, then victory won't lie in the blade, but in all the bridges we've made. That is the promise to Glade, the hill we climb, if only we dare it. Because being American is more than a pride we inherit. It's the past we step into and how we repair it. Amanda Gorman, welcome to The Daily Social Distancing Show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited. Uh, I'm the one who should be excited because, I mean, 2021 kicked off with a bang. It's been a whirlwind for everybody, but I think for you more than most people, it has been extra whirlwindy, which is a a word I trademarked. You can use one day if you'd like to in one of your poems. Um, you, you, You went from not just being notable because you read a poem, the youngest ever inaugural poet, but also because of what the poem meant to people, because of the inspiration behind it, because of how people felt after they heard what you did. What has it been like for you, just just in this little period since the inauguration, what has your world been like? My world has been crazy. I mean, it's been turned upside down. I mean, when I was writing the poem, I knew it was a historic moment. I knew it was an important moment, which is why I wanted to do just service, but I wasn't really paying attention to the ways in which my own personal life might change. So I went, I did my Naga poem, I walked off and just kind of expected everything to be the same. And then I remember trying to open my Instagram just to, you know, look at other people's posts in all of my apps have just crashed because of all the followers that were just, you know, flocking to my channel. So it's been amazing and I'm still kind of absorbing it all like a sponge. The poem, um, The Hill We Climb, wasn't just momentous because of the day it was performed on. I think what made it special was that you incorporated up until that day, the things that so many people were feeling about America. If you don't mind, walk me through why you felt it was important to write a poem for that moment and then even still be writing the poem on the actual day that you were delivering it. Right, exactly. Well, for me, I mean, I was writing it and trying to find a way to encapsulate what had gone on over the past, you know, four years and even looking more expansively than that. And then, you know, we had the insurrection at the Capitol. So for me, it was trying to say, we've had this reminder of the ways in which democracy is both fragile and also enduring and how necessary it is to defend it. And I think a lot of times in cultures, we think of the ways in which we can cleanse ourselves with water. I think of the ways that we can cleanse ourselves with words, meaning that this poem was an opportunity to kind of re-sanctify, re-purify and reclaim not just the Capitol building, but American democracy and what it stands for. A pretty high ask of myself, but you know, that's what I do when I showed up and I rolled up my sleeves and that was the aim of the poem, to use words to try to go back to the quintessence of what America can be. I think you achieved that. I think you achieved that a thousand times over and, and it showed in how people responded. I mean, consider it from this perspective and you may not, but this is how I saw it. I went on a day when Joe Biden's inaugurated, Kamala Harris is stepping into the role as VP, um, Lady Gaga's performing, Jennifer Lopez is performing. You were the thing that people were, were, were looking, you were, you were the trending thing. I mean, it was like you competing with like Bernie Sanders' <laughs> was basically it. 
that, that must be, do you take a moment to go like, man, this is surreal? That is so surreal, especially because my friends, they're so funny and, you know, they come for blood. So they were texting me like, well, Joe Biden did a good job opening up for Amanda Gorman. <laughs> you know who won that inauguration. And I was like, y'all, it's, it's not a competition. It's, you know, it's not a fight of who wins the inauguration. They're like, but you did. And so I think for me, it, it was so daunting to be on a stage. You know, there's Michelle Obama to my right and Barack Obama and Hillary Clinton and what have you. And so the figures that have been, you know, mythologized for me and to find myself not only being in that space, but owning it and claiming it um, was, I think, the highlight of my career. I believe that you are slated to perform at the Super Bowl. That is correct? Yes. I didn't you understand, you understand the juxtaposition of this right now, right? Poetry at the Super Bowl. You understand the levels you've made it to where they were like, this person is so good that we have to bring her to do poetry at the Super Bowl. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, that went over my head um, because I knew about the Super Bowl and the inauguration around the same time. And it was like there was not space in my head for both. Like, I kept being like, I got to write that inauguration poem. And my team was like, there's this little thing called the Super Bowl, which you should also keep in mind. And so, you know, it's very rare. And I want to say, you know, if not, you know, an extant possibility that a poet will be at something like the Super Bowl. It's just nothing I have really heard about before. And so right. the moments I strive for in my lifetime, which is to bring poetry into the spaces that we least expect it so that we can fully kind of grapple with the ways in which it can heal and kind of resurrect us. Let's talk a little bit about poetry. I mean, th- it feels like Poetry, like some art forms, has, it, has its highs and then it has moments where it disappears. Why do you think we should never forget poetry? What is it about poetry that you feel society needs to hold on to? Mm-hmm. Well, what I always say is poetry stands as a great reminder of the past that we stand on and the future that we stand for. I do not think it is any you know, coincidence that when America seeks to kind of consecrate its ideals, it does so through poetry. I don't think it's a coincidence that we see a poem at the base of the Statue of Liberty as opposed to like a scientific formula or even a prosaic paragraph. You know, why is it that we call forth poetry in those moments? Or even point out to students, you know, when you're at a Black Lives Matter march and you see, you know, banners that say they buried us, but they didn't know we were seeds, that's poetry at the forefront mm. of racial justice movement. And so poetry, because it's inherently rebellious in its nature, I think it really becomes the language and the rhetoric of the people. We get to kind of co-opt it and put our own play on it. And what's more, we get to use those words to realize our thoughts and transform those thoughts into actions. Um, you have a journey ahead of you that I think nobody can predict. Uh, which is exciting, and you've had a journey that has been unpredictable. You know, you, you, you've, you've talked about it, you know, growing up in a family with a single mom who was raising yourself and your twin sister and your brother as well, and, and how you just fought to achieve. My question to you then is, what are you aspiring to seeing that you've basically done it all, I mean, in the past few weeks? Right. Um, that's a great question. I mean, I'm really taking that time to kind of sit back and think and be like, well, wow, that was it. Um, Kind of what's next. And for me, I don't think it's about um, kind of beating my last thing or even competing against myself. I hear that a lot. I think that's fine for other people. I'm not necessarily fighting against myself or competing or contestating against anything I've done. 
but I want to keep on the trajectory that I started for myself. I never want to kind of dally or diverge from that. And for me, that just means using my poetry to touch and heal and impact as many people as possible. And that can be at the inauguration, the Super Bowl, it can be in a living room, it's often in classrooms with other students. And so that's what's next for me um, on the more like resume tick thing that I always have to mention when I'm on talk shows. I'm like, I have three books coming out. So there's also that in the very <laughs> immediate what I need to write. But you know, I'm just chugging forward. Well, I know everyone's going to be reading the books. Thank you so much, Amanda Goldman, and congratulations on all your success. Thank you so much. Don't forget, Amanda's books, The Hill We Climb, Change Sings, and her poetry collection are all available to pre-order right now. All right, we're gonna take a quick break, but we'll be right back after this. Well, that's our show for tonight, but before we go, as you know, the coronavirus pandemic is as bad as it has ever been. But luckily, we have first responders who are still out there on the front line saving people's lives. Now, if you wanna help the first responders, then please consider a donation to First Responders First, an organization that is offering first-class medical and psychological treatment for first responders. To find out more, go to the link below. Until tomorrow, stay safe out there, wear a mask, and remember, the coronavirus variants are not like Pokemon. You do not have to catch them all. But you can try, but you shouldn't. The Daily Show with Trevor Noah, Ears Edition. Watch The Daily Show weeknights at 11, 10 Central on Comedy Central and the Comedy Central app. Watch full episodes and videos at thedailyshow.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And subscribe to The Daily Show on YouTube for exclusive content and more. This has been a Comedy Central podcast. 